Welcome to the Strides with Gray Wolf podcast with your host, Nate Reich. This podcast was created to share athlete stories on their road to the 2020 Paralympic and Olympic Games with the hope of motivating and inspiring the next generations of athletes. Throughout this podcast, we will discuss topics such as adversity, success, mindset, the peaks and valleys of sport, plus much more. All right. Episode 13, Biz Marco Tang, also known as Busy, joins the podcast. Busy is a Canadian sprinter who has a blazing PB of 10.14 in the 100. He's not only an athlete, but a fellow podcaster. Busy is full of wisdom, and I'm so excited for our chat. Without further ado, welcome to the podcast, Busy. Wow, that is a very, very great introduction i don't think i deserve all that praise but you're a big deal man you're a big deal thank you so much nate for having me on your podcast it's 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 an honor to be here of course thank you for for coming on i really really appreciate it and usually to start um we i have my uh guests give me a frame of reference um but before that i want to read you a quote from uh matthew mcconaughey that i think will really um set the tone for our conversations okay Sometimes you got to go back to go forward. And I don't mean going back to reminisce or chase ghosts. I mean, go back to see where you came from, where you've been, and how you got here. Gotcha. So, uh, yeah, let's let's hear about how it was when you were younger um, and how did you get to where you are now? Wow, that is, that is a very amazing quote. Like, you have to go back to see where you were. And I'm a big fan of uh, Matthew McConaughey uh, in a, a lot of movies. So uh, a little bit about me, uh, my story started for track and field, I would say, uh, when I was in Ghana. Um, in Ghana, the sport we usually play is soccer. So track and field is not as popular. And I was a really you know, energetic kid, fast kid. And I remember our first track and field trial. It was the first time ever in school. And I remember I was wearing this, I can still see this vividly. I was wearing a, a white uh, white beater. I was wearing a yellow shorts. I was wearing uh, a long socks with holes underneath. And I remember the teacher, uh, what do you call it? He was a soccer coach at the line. He said, you know, this is the first track and field uh, tryout so whoever wins is like pretty much the fastest in the school now just a little scrawny kid probably weigh like uh 90 97 pounds in grade four malnourished and everything but i had this mental strength that i knew i wasn't going to lose because i was racing against guys who were in grades higher than me and i remember when he said go it was it was it was around 5 a.m. it was during the dawn and it was pitch black and all all I can remember is like I was zoned in I was in the state of flow if you read a book by Angela uh, Duckworth she talks about flow where everything just feels so magical so feels so mystical that you don't feel anything around you and that's what I felt and that was my first ever uh, track and field experience I'm like well I like this feeling uh, you know, I like this feeling. So fast forward, moved to Canada, played soccer, uh, was the fastest kid on the soccer field. Uh, it was fun. You know, I, was, I played striker. All they do is kick the ball and I'm like, zoom, gone. And I wasn't very technically sound, but I worked on that 
but deep down the passion for track and field was always there. So I transferred to York University first year, uh, trained for track and field, and I trained my 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 ass out because I knew I wanted to be uh, one of the best on the York team. And I used to go on my laptop, go on the uh, Canadian website, and I'll research Athletics Canada, and I'll look at the athlete's name, the pictures. And I used to tell myself, based one day you face, your name is going to be there. So I manifested everything I wanted to do. And, you know, I got onto the York University team first year. We won the national championship, and that was amazing. It was a big confidence boost. I got caught on the national team, and it was a, a, a little bit of a turbulent uh, beginning because, you know, now you're competing against guys who are the best in Canada. But I just, you know, kept my head down, kept believing in myself, and I kept pushing every day. I always tell myself this. All I need is one thing, and everything is going to get better. I always was always optimistic about that one thing that's going to always make me better. And I still hold on to that one thing. And I kept working hard and I started seeing my progress, seeing progress. And two years ago, uh, all the hard work showed. And I think there's, there's more of me to come. And, but that is the story of how I got involved in track and field. And I'm always looking for that state of flow. And I, I know you said I ran 1014. People ask me, how was that race? How was your 1014 race? Mate, I'm telling you, that race was the easiest race I've ever run. It was so easy. I just got out of the blocks and I, I thought I was like floating in the like in the clouds. It was like so smooth. And like I'm like, that is the easiest race I've ever run because I was in that state of flow. Because I worked so hard and that state when everything aligns, mind, body, spirit. It just like it flows. So that's a story about. I don't want to go too much into it because you know I'm passionate about it, talking about it. But yeah, that's a story about it. Yeah, no, and it seems like you really just got thrown in, into the deep end. It was really either sink or or you swam, and yeah. obviously you swam. And um, how was it having that team around you at York? And obviously you were very very successful with the, getting a gold medal yeah. um, in the sixty, and then also the next year following it up with the silver. Yeah. So how was that uh, having that sense of community uh, during that transition? Yeah, it was. Oh man, it was amazing because. The people I, I had around me, I would say, were all better than me. So as someone to look up to, someone to, you know, attain to. I used to look at Dante, Richard Quark, and I'm like, man, I want to be like Dante one day. I look I look at Gavin Smelly, and Gavin's still a role model to me, right? I look at all these people. I look at Tremaine Harris, and now he trains so hard. I look at Filippo Say, and he trains so hard. I'm like, you know what? These are the people I have to emulate my you know, my goals around, I'm trying to imitate them. So I had those people around me and I think those people actually pushed me and not forgetting my coaches. I had Charles Allen in the beginning. I have Desiree Williams and those guys, like it was dog eat dog. When you step on that practice track, you want to be one of the best because we're all the, obviously we're all the best in Canada. So I had people to, emulate i could see every characteristic of a person to train as hard as fellow say to be mentally strong as this person right so those people pushed me in the beginning and i even to this day i try to take a little bit from my competitors from my my teammates you know characteristics where i think will help me as a person yeah 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And now let's fast forward to the 2018 Canadian Championships. As yeah. you know, unfortunately, our careers aren't aren't linear. There's speed bumps, there's uh, lows, there's highs, and you mm-hmm. finish second place right behind yeah. Aaron Brown, and you almost win it. Yeah. Um, how was that for you, and how was that a springboard onto your 2019 season? Um, that moment was a, uh, it was a very – relieving moment i would say because fast like a couple of months back australia i went to australia for commonwealth games and i dropped the baton in the relay and after the whole incident i I had a pep talk on myself and i told myself we have to train harder we have to train better right to be one of the best in the country so that moment motivated me to even train harder change my nutrition the way i sleep everything that i did so all those uh, emotions I experienced in Australia, I took it for the whole season. And when I crossed the line uh, in Ottawa and my name came on the board first, I thought I won. I went on the field, took off my shirt like a soccer player, which is still instilled in me, like Ronaldo. I wish I did like the zoo, like Ronaldo, but, you know, I was on the field because I was so relieved because of all those bottled emotions you know in australia and then before nationals i think i had the third fastest time in the country but uh i sometimes when you go on social i went on social media and they were projecting andre de grass to win aaron brown to win gavin smelly to win and i had the third fastest time in the country and i wasn't really looked at so i took that emotion you know i got mad decisively i'm like you know what i'm going to show these people that next time they should put my name in there right so it was a it was a bit of a uh, you know a challenge for me i you know i wanted that respect that you know i've worked hard so you need to recognize my my talent and my hard work so everything all the emotions i bought all those emotions to the uh canadian uh national track and field championship and like i said when i crossed the line it was just the relief of all those uh, emotions. And even though I came second, I knew there's more to come uh, from me. Yeah. Yeah. And as as we kind of referred to earlier, adversity is part of it. If you haven't faced it yet, you're going to at some point during yeah. your life. And as I look at it, it, it isn't easy going through it, but it's exactly what you need in that moment. And how do you look at adversity? And then when you look back on it and and in hindsight, uh, what does it mean to you? And uh, what have you learned from your adversity? Yeah, I have a favorite quote. I have a, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a lover of quotes. Uh, I have a favorite quote that says adversity builds character. And that is the biggest thing, right? I feel like in life and everything you do, you need to have character. In the low, in the low moments, in the high moments, your character determines everything. It, it, it determines who you are as a person, right? So adversity, all those adversity, it built my character. It made me more confident. It made me understand that the value of hard work, the value of believing in yourself. In every, in every avenue of life I want to pursue, I know I have to have that character, that confidence, that hard work, that mentality, that I'm always going to be, you know, I'm always going to be successful if I put my mind to it, right? So, like I said, my favorite quote, adversity builds character. And everything I do, I make sure I use my, you know, character, my good character and the good virtues that, you know, your character uh, 
shows. Yeah, and obviously, I, I think me and you have talked about mindset before, yeah. and I think mindset is a really important. And the way I look at mindset is a set of beliefs, and these beliefs happen when you're young up until now, right? And yeah. we're constantly evolving. What are some of those beliefs that are in your mindset that you find really important to your success, and why are those important? I think uh, now – after COVID and after you know 2020, I've got to a point where I try to have a Zen state in everything I do, like one body, one mind, one soul, one spirit in everything I do. And I realize when it comes to mindset, it's not the positive mindset that you know I have to pursue. I realize I I had a lot of negative uh, beliefs limiting my potential. You know what I'm saying, right? So now I'm an, I'm in the state where I'm trying to break all those negative beliefs I've been putting on myself. I've been conditioned to believe that I can uh, achieve this or I can pursue this because I am this, because I am that, or because of what society has projected onto myself, right? For example, um, swimming, right? I always had this uh, belief, negative belief on myself that because I'm I'm black, I have a lot of muscles, I am this and that. My muscles are dancer. I can't swim. And I, as I, as I got older, I'm like, all these are, you know, some inhibiting beliefs I've put on myself so that I can achieve what I want to achieve or reach my potential. So right now, when it comes to mindset, I'm in a state of, like I said, one body, one mind, one soul, where I'm trying to, uh, you know, break all my conditioning or all the limits I've been put onto myself. Now, I use the Socratic method in everything. I, I question everything, right? I question all my beliefs, everything, to, you know, just so I can be a better individual and I don't limit myself to my potential or how great I could be one day, right? So that in the state, that's the state I, I am right now, the Zen state of one body, one mind, one soul, and questioning everything just to be a better individual and a better uh, person in society, yeah. Yeah, no, and I think I really connect with those negative beliefs because I think for a part of my life, I really thought life was happening to me, not for me. And COVID really opened my eyes to that, that there's so many people, you know, having worse circumstances than us, people who have better circumstances than us. But at the end of the day, we just need to own our life. And I think, um, you know, People can do things to us and we can fail. But at the end of the day, I feel like there's always something we could have done better to help that outcome. Um, And also like to, you know, if something's a red light, you need to turn it into a green light. And so I I think that's something that COVID has taught me. Uh, Have you learned kind of a certain thing? Uh, 100%. Everything you said, I absolutely uh, agree with. Uh, I I have another saying that I like that says nothing happens to you it happens for you that means you have to have a you have to take an ownership of your experiences and of your life you know you don't you don't you have to have a positive outlook you have to have a your character has to show when those moments are down and i'm right now i'm very into philosophy and you know if you take philosophers like uh, uh socrates aristotle uh recent philosophers like frederick nietzsche uh, Karl Marx, they all always talk about you, you know, controlling the narrative. Don't let the narrative control you. And that's what I think I love about philosophy because it makes you 
question everything and think outside of the box, right? You don't, you don't, you don't become victim to the situation. You control the situation because we have that power. We have that potential to change the narrative, the the, the narrative of our life and our destiny. So, yeah, I, everything you said, hundred percent agree with you. Yeah, and as the way I look at it is that performance is like a painter's palette. We need to have all these different tools to pull from. And mental health and mental performance is something that has been extremely important. You know, I feel like over the last 10 years, it's just been talked about. What does your mental uh, performance look like or your mental strategies look like? Um, and when do you implement those? Is it a, more of a daily thing or is it before races? Uh, kind of give us a snapshot on what that looks like. Uh, in the beginning of my uh, my my uh, my career at Rice University, I met an amazing coach who had a big influence on my life. His name was Ivan Joseph. And I was just a kid from like, you know, from the hood who wasn't disciplined enough. And he introduced me to mental health, uh, mental health through meditation and visualization. Ever since then, before every race, I will visualize my race and how it's going to play out. Before the national race in 2018, I knew how it was going to play out because I've already run the race in my head. I just went there and I just felt the sense of flow, right? So now I'm trying, like I said, in every aspect of my life, I'm trying to have that Zen state. I'm not trying to, you know, use meditation when I think I need it. I'm trying to make my life about meditation, just being in the moment, you know, carpe diem, like seizing the moment, every, you know, everything I do, seize the moment, stay in the moment, not dwell on my past. So right now, uh, every every day I try to meditate in the morning. That is like the more formal way of meditating in the morning, just to get my mind right for the for the day. And as the day goes on, it's, you know, if my mind drifts away, I try to tell myself, you got to stay in the moment. You got to... You gotta focus on your, you know, your your breathing. Like you know, just get back to it. So I'm basically I'm trying to make a meditation part of my life, right? So that when I go in the race, it's just part of me. It's not something I have to do because I need it. And I got I got the, the idea from reading Phil Jackson's Eleven uh, Rings. He's a Zen master, and he talked about how you know, as an athlete, you have to have one connection with your body your mind, your spirit, and your soul in order to reach your full potential. Once everything is connected, competing will not be, you know, in the sense that, oh, I want to beat this person. I want to do this thing. It just becomes like an enjoyment moment. You just want to show how good you've been training, how good you, you've been, you know, to yourself, to put yourself in that situation. So right now, I'm trying to have a Zen state, you know, in my competition, I practice, I don't want to put too much on myself, like, you know, feel my ego and all those things. I'm just trying to enjoy the moment, seize the moment and let the results, you know, just come. I feel like when you enjoy the moments, the results, you know, because the results is inevitable. You can't control uh, the, the, the narrative for the result. You can control what you can do in the process and, you know, the result will just come. Yeah. Yeah, and I think flow and tr focusing on the process are things that are really interchangeable and I why I keep bringing yeah. up Matthew McConaughey is because I just read his book and he was saying that his best performances come from when on the last day of filming, he says, see, see you guys tomorrow. And they're like, Matthew, we're done recording. And yeah. he said he was so in the moment 
that he just forgets. And like you said, some of your, your best performance has come from that. Can you kind of tell us um, how you focus on the process? Because it's really hard to, you know, win each day instead of looking at those short-term gains yeah. instead of really looking at that long-term gain. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, it's so hard. I think well, we live in a society right now that society glorifies success, right? If you go on social media, there's a glorification of success. If you go everywhere, TV, everything, success is glorified, but they don't show you what takes the person to be successful, right? So now everyone is thinking about the results, the results. I want to post my results. I want people to see I'm successful, this, this, and that. So the process of, you know, getting there gets lost. And for me, the way I stay in the in the process is I don't think about the result, like I said. I just go into training with a plan of what I'm supposed to do the day. I, I always do everything with a purpose. I have a deliberate practice. Everything I do, it has to have a purpose. If you see me jogging, I'm jogging with a purpose. I don't jog for the fun of it, right? So everything I do, I try to have a, a purpose to every little thing I do. It keeps me engaged. It keeps me entertained because I know I'm not doing things, you know, just for the fun of it, right? And I feel like once you focus on the little things like your nutrition, your sleep, taking naps, taking a supplement, all those little things, it becomes a grander thing because it's going to help you with the results that everyone is, you know, trying to achieve. Everyone is trying to glorify uh, the success, right? But you have to take care of these little uh, intricate things. And for me, like I said, I do everything with a purpose and it keeps me on track. So I don't focus on the result because I know it's going to take care of itself once I take care of what I can control, right? So basically control the controllables and don't worry about, you know, the results yeah yeah and do you set daily goals like for me i have this thing called the four keys where it's my goal my motivation and my commitment yeah. um and so i end my plan for the day and so that's something that i do every day in my journal do you have any similar techniques that you follow no i don't i don't really i don't i don't write down uh, my techniques that i follow uh, once I get to practice, I usually know what I'm supposed to do because I have the workout for the week. So I have a mental plan of what I'm supposed to accomplish. And I'll talk to my coach. Hey, coach, what do you what do you need from me from this workout? What do you need from me from this drill? My coach tells me we calibrate and now uh, we have an understanding. So my coach knows what I'm doing and I have complete faith in him because, you know, I know what he's trying to make me uh, accomplish, right? So the like you know the talk between my coach it, it gives me a lot of confidence. So all, every day I go to practice, I ask my coach, coach, what do you need from this workout? Like you know, and I always ask questions. Like I said, I take the Socratic method to everything. Everything I do, I ask my coach questions, and my coach is an amazing, amazing person. He's very intelligent. He's so humble at the same time. Every question I ask, he sits down and he breaks down everything from philosophy to science to track to everything. We talk about everything. So we have that relationship where I could talk to him about everything. So, you know, that relationship really helps. It, it gives the confidence to the athletes and to the coach. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, you're coached by Coach Boo now down yeah. at LSU. How has that transition been from being just outside of Toronto and and now you're uh yeah, now you're in the States in Louisiana getting some uh Cajun cooked food and uh running fast. 
occasion. No, I stay away from the food. The food is too, uh, you know, it's kind of too unhealthy for me. So I, I kind of stay away from the food. But the transition to LSU uh, has been great. And the transition to LSU, the transition to LSU, I actually manifested that because a couple of years ago, I was sitting with my good friend Roland. I'm like, no, Roland, I think one day I'm gonna I'm gonna be training here. Like I felt like it was calling for me. And three, four years later, I got the opportunity to come down here. So I know it was on my path to you know what I want to accomplish. And the transition has been great. Like I said, my coach uh, is an amazing person. I love every minute around him. Uh, and you know, being at LSU, being at Baton Rouge now. One of my favorite hobbies is going fishing. The first day I went fishing, I caught a blue gale. And I think that was like the beginner's luck. I'm like, damn, you know, I like this. I like fishing. Like, Because you have to be patient and you have to be patient. You have to wait until the fish, uh, you know, bites, you know, uh, the bait. And I feel like that's the thing with life. Sometimes you need a lot of patience to achieve what you want to achieve. So I just go fishing read my book, just, you know, stay in, uh, be around nature. And I love nature. I like, I like the trees, listen to the birds. It just gives me a calm feeling. Away from Toronto where everything is a little bit convoluted and the weather and this and this and that. So down in LSU, I feel like, you know, I have a, I have a great connection with like my mind and my spirit because I'm around uh, the people or the environment, I think is going to nourish me to be as successful as I want to be. Yeah. Yeah. No. And as, uh, as I'm sure you're aware, there's this thing called a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset. And as I know, you definitely constantly keep on learning and learning. And I'm interested, has coach boo taught you, uh, anything like drastic that, that you really have found to be pivotal and, uh, your road to Tokyo, or has it been more kind of the small things that he's just kind of placed here and there? Wow, Nate, I think I think it should be a sports psychology major because you know the growth mindset and the fixed mindset. You coming right into my 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 arena? Yeah, uh, I mean, being around Coach Boo, I've, every day is a learning process for me. Every day, there's no there there isn't one key that is going to change everything. So every day has been a learning process. And I have this term of Coach Brew where every day I ask, I make it a point to ask him a question about anything, about politics, about philosophy, about science, about track and field and everything, right? So I'm not just learning about track and field. I'm just learning about life in general. I'm just, you know, taking knowledge from an inexperienced, uh, knowledgeable person, right? So every day around Coach Brew is a learning process. And I'm, I tell you, Nate, Every day I learn something new and I make it upon myself to do that because like I said, I want to have this Socratic method to everything where I have to question everything, question my beliefs, question uh, everything I do just so I can have an understanding because like, you know, a person who thinks he knows, knows nothing at, at all. And like Socrates said, a fool is the one who thinks he knows everything, right? So, you know, I, I say to myself, you know, I don't know anything, so I'm going to ask questions because, you know, I don't know. I don't be ignorant, so I want to know. So I keep asking questions about everything, and everything has been, a, like you said, a growth mindset. I learn a lot about myself, about the world, about people's experience every day, and about track and field, too, every day. And I think with everything I'm learning from Coach Boo, I know one day if I get an opportunity to help other athletes or to be a coach or a mentor, I think I'm going to be a, a very good one because I'm learning from the best. Yeah. 
Yeah, and then of course, as you know, like we had passions off the track as well. And yeah. uh, what are those passions for you? Because uh, I think one thing that I'm sure your coach does really well is that he learns what makes you tick, mm-hmm. and he really pulls on those when he needs to. Um, so, what are some of those passions outside of track, and uh, what do you want to do post post track and field? Uh, right now, I feel like I go from <laughs> I go from passion to passion. I, I'm very greedy, right? I'm very greedy in like when it comes to track and field and what I want to pursue. But I have some other low level goals or low level passions where I switch from passion to passion. I started the podcast during COVID because I wanted people to share their experiences, so uh, experiences so we can learn and from each other. And I moved away from the podcast because I wanted to. Uh, feed my soul and feed my mind. So now I do a lot of reading. Like I said, I love philosophy. Philosophy is something uh, I like, I'm reading now I'm reading this book by uh, Phil Knight. Called Great book. book is amazing. It tells you how success is not a linear thing. Life is not very linear. Like, uh, like society makes it to be like we glorify success. But it's, it takes a lot, a lot of sacrifice and a lot of resilience to get to where you want to uh, be. So right now, the passion is basically just reading and, and nourishing my mind and my soul and my spirit, uh, reading books about meditation, about other religions, uh, Zen and everything. And after track and field, I, when I was younger, track and field was an end for me. You know, I said, you know, I'm going to make money from track. I'm going to have all these medals. I'm going to be successful and good. But as I got older, I realized track and field for me is a means to an end for me. And I think the end for me is always being able to help other people, being able to be of service to people. I know, you know, all those personal goals, like the gold medal, the money, it's all good. But I believe what you do for others is more important than like all those personal goals and uh, what you do for yourself. So I know the end goal is to help other people, athletes, uh, just the ordinary people, the youth, so they can reach their potential, be as successful or successful as they can be. So I want to use my experiences from track and field, you know, sacrificing everything, moving from Toronto to Baton Rouge, living by myself. It's lonely, but I know that's what's going to take. That's a sacrifice. It's going to take for me to achieve what I want to achieve. So I want to use my experiences growing up in Ghana, moving to Canada, uh, you know, share my story with people. I think stories resonate with people. That's why when you read books like The Shoe Dog, you get caught up in it and you're like, wow, it resonates with me, right? So I want to use my experiences. It could be in the form of a, a professor, sports psychologist, community activist. As long as I'm in the service of people, I'm giving my experiences to nourish people, to build people. I think that is what I'm looking for. And I think track and field right now is a means to an end for me. And the end, you know, I have a picture of it, but I don't know what straight path is going to take. But I know I'm going to be of service to people. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And um, the one really big thing, aha moment for me in my career was figuring out why I'm doing this. And that was to help further... Uh, and motivate the next generation of Paralympic athletes. Because at the end of the day, for me, if I'm involved in something that's bigger than me, then I'm never going to be bigger than it. And I'm going to continue to working hard every single day, day in and day out. And do you have a why or have you thought of that yet? And uh, if if so, I would would love to hear it. Yeah, I mean, mean, why I do it is 
uh, I think this the experiences and the challenges from track and field. I feel like in track and field, you're gonna have more low moments than than the ups, right? And I feel like the experiences and the challenges, like we talked earlier, it builds character. And the character you have, you can apply it to everything you do in life. So the why I do it, I think, is for those character defining moments of myself, learning about myself, uh, learning about relationship with people. I think when you have relationships with people, with your coach, your teammates, you go through adversity, but all those things, it teaches you about yourself. How do you handle working with someone who doesn't want to, you know, work with you? How do you handle all these adversities, right? You're going to have that in track and field. You're going to have teammates who will talk to you. You're going to have teammates who will be like your best friends. You're going to have all those relationships. And everything you go through, it teaches you a lot about yourself and how you can handle your relationship with people. So for everything in track and field, I think it, it builds character because you go through so much adversity. And that's what I got from track and field. A couple of years ago, would I have this mindset? No. But as I'm experiencing it and I'm getting older, I'm getting a little bit wiser, you know, I'm having a, a, a broader mindset uh, when it comes to uh, track and field. Like I said, track and field is a, is a means to an end for me. And the end is always to be in service of people. Yeah. Yeah, no, and I think Kobe Bryant says it's best that sports is simply a metaphor for life. And I think uh, that's so important. And it's obviously taught both of us so much. And um, now I have five rapid fire questions. Okay. Um, the first one is, if your life was a movie, what would be the title? Ah, if my life was a movie, what would be the title? I would say, oh, man, that's a good question. I'm not really good at rapid fire question. I always have to think about everything. Uh, uh, one word I would say, resilience. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Uh, favorite book? Favorite book. Oh, my God. Favorite book. I've read a lot of good books. Uh, I can't choose one. I feel like I'm deceiving the other. So I'm going to say right now, The Shoe Dog, and I have a book called The Book of Meditation. That that book I'm, I take everywhere I go. Yeah. Shoe Dog, I'll say. Yeah. Book of Absolutely. Absolutely. And then you shared one of your favorite quotes, but do you have another favorite quote? Oh, man. My damn, my, my head is filled, of, filled with quotes. Uh, when I was in high school training for track and field, I remember I was running – uh, I was I was running maybe a 200 fun and I was so tired and I had one more rep to do. And my guidance counselor was our coach. He knew nothing about track and field. And he said, Bez, right, when you're tired, the last one is what counts. And it always stuck in my head, like, you know, it doesn't matter, you know, how many reps you have. When you're tired, that's when you have to push. So when you're tired, the last one counts. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, best piece of life advice you've ever received? Best piece of life advice I ever received was from my coach. And he said, question everything. Have that mindset. Question everything. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a great one right there. Um, what has kept you busy off the track during COVID? What kept me busy off the track during COVID? Um, I was doing the podcast uh, can be busy and reading. I don't know. I just got into reading. I just love just being away from like everything and just being stuck in the book and just yeah, reading. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I have two final final questions. Yeah. Uh, where can people find you and what's the name of your podcast? Okay. So 
right now I'm taking a, uh, an hiatus away from like social media, from the podcast. I just, you know, like I said, I'm in Baton Rouge, I'm around nature and I just want to be around the environment. So right now I'm not really on social media. I took a break from social media just to, you know, focus on reading and just being around like the environment I like. So where people can find me, yeah, social media, but you, you know, I go there, check once in a while to see my messages. Uh, yeah, but the podcast, I'm taking a break from the podcast to to pursue uh, other passions, and hopefully in the future I'll be back on the podcast. Uh, it's called I Am, and this is my story podcast. Yeah, awesome. Uh, the last question that I ask every guest is, what do you want your impact to be on the world? Ah, oh, man, what do I want my impact to be on the world? I think I want to have such a a great impact on the world in the sense that one day uh, when I'm not in this world, uh, my legacy of being in service to people will still be around or will still have an effect on uh, effect on people. Like when when you're living and you you know you do all these things, like the great philosophers like you know uh, Karl Marx, Aristotle, Plato, and you know all of them they didn't know how important their legacy was going to be right until they, they were gone they were gone right so i want to have a, a a legacy on the world in the sense that when i'm i'm i'm, I'm gone i want to have that effect on people when they mention the name he they'll remember that he was in service of the people yeah well thank you so much for coming on the podcast i really appreciate it it was truly an honor Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Nate. It was a pleasure to be here. And I hope you keep on doing this great podcasting. I know how hard it is because I was I was in your shoes. You just have to keep on pushing, keep on pushing. And I wish you the best. Uh, thank you very much. So I want to give Busy a huge thank you for coming on the podcast. I know he's taking a little hiatus from social media. And so I really really appreciate um, the opportunity to interview him and have him jump on the podcast. just felt like I was constantly learning the entire time and uh, that's one of my favorite things to do is just learn from these guests and they've, they've been through such uh, different experiences and I just love their perspective. Tune in next week for another podcast guys. Thank you so much. If you enjoyed this episode, leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts and subscribe so you get notified when the new podcasts get released. That's it from us here at the Strides with Grey Wolf podcast. Follow us on Instagram at Strides with Grey Wolf. Follow your host's journey to the Paralympics at Nate Grey Wolf. Remember, disability isn't inability.